Welcome, everybody. This is Lynn Foley in our last of the teleseminar series with longevity expert David Wolf. And this call is on adrenal and hormone health. Many of us believe that exhaustion, weight gain, loss of sexual potency, and even anger and panic attacks are symptoms of old age or maybe even stress, even as we approach our 30s and 40s. But what if these symptoms are not the result of a diet or stress or aging, but are actually caused by a hormonal disorder? Unbeknownst to many people, hormone problems are misdiagnosed many times as depression, especially in women. And this, the fourth and last teleseminar in our series, Longevity expert David Wolf will be discussing the role hormones play in our lives and how to reset this delicate balance as the stresses of modern life take their tolls on our bodies. Welcome, Dave. Thank you, Len. Wonderful to be back on our last call, Ms. Pelletieri. So I think it's important that we basically open up this teleseries, this this particular um, call today with just a brief description on some of the implications of not being aware of the role hormones play in our health. And if we're not aware, we're usually going to be doing other things to correct problems that we're having And when in reality the real problem is our hormones are completely out of whack. What do you, based on your research over the past six to eight months, on this particular topic, what are some of the recommendations you have for people who may be suffering from some serious disorders right now or issues with their emotions, physical issues? Well, I think it's a great idea for everybody who's in some kind of a health crisis to get their hormone levels checked, to get the progesterone level checked, to get their testosterone level checked, and this is for definitely for women. Um, men don't have very much progesterone. It's, it's, it's made very quickly and then transmutated over to another hormone very fast. But I'm speaking mainly to women here. Progesterone, testosterone, DHEA, and at least at three different estrogen levels, which is your estriol, your estradiol, and your estrone. And from those six, then you can pretty much see your picture of where you are hormonally. Now, I had a friend of mine do that because she had all kinds of problems, and I thought, this is a hormone problem for sure. And she was completely out of estradiol. She was completely empty. I mean, absolutely almost at a zero on progesterone. And this was the cause of her insomnia, as we found out. This was also the cause of her um, night sweats. It was, she was going through menopausal symptoms, very extreme. And I've said this before, I'm going to say it again, and, and it's very important to hear it over and over again, that we live in a civilization that's basically sprayed us with DDT, which is a bad estrogen. And there are many different types of bad estrogens we've been exposed to. There's also metabolic bad estrogen, which builds up in our system. And then as we age due to improper diet, um, the lifestyle that's not really conducive to building hormones, for example, we're not out in the sun, we're not touching the earth, barefoot, we're not actually in the elements, we're not working out maybe hard enough, we end up having no progesterone. So there's, we have two problems. We have an estrogen buildup, which can start to imbalance things, but then we have nothing to oppose it, which would be progesterone and testosterone. And we've got to get a baseline on those things and test for those just to see where we are. And every doctor does that. Any doctor can do that. Any naturopathic doctor these days can do that. You've mentioned that this is an issue for women, but also men who may have excess 
estrogen in their bodies, this could be a serious problem as well. It's affecting everybody, and it's just like thyroid. Thyroid is another hormone problem, by the way, and you should also have your thyroid checked, and, and you should use the guidelines that Truth and I put out in our thyroid health program, because you, you don't want to just have your T3 and T4 checked out. You really have to look at your, your uh, thyroid binding globulin hormone that gets in, and it's a protein that gets in your blood that holds the T3. And there's about eight factors. And so you need to get a little bit more sophisticated with that as well and try to get a baseline on that. This is affecting men and women. And it, it's, it's a problem of civilization because of the chemicals that we've dumped into the, into the environment which have an affinity for our reproductive organs. They have affinity for our glands. They tend to be xenoestrogens, and they can start to contribute or even trigger problems like bone loss, problems like chronic acne. Um, because this, these are the things, Glenn, over the years I have seen that there is no like food cure for chronic acne. Um, it's a hormone problem. And then there's also a, a, a number of other things that come up quite regularly that just food doesn't have an effect. One of them is bladder infections and kidney infections and urinary tract infections, which according to the last conversation I had with Dr. Yu, it's hormonal. If you if you don't have enough estradiol and progesterone, then you become susceptible to kidney infections. And, and you can become susceptible to all kinds of infections. But that one in particular can be very intractable. And those, those of us who are listening right now who have that situation come up, once a year, once every few months, know what I'm talking about. And hormones can help to actually knock that out and build you back up and give you that vigor back. And hormones are related to vigor and vitality. Another hormone that is being talked about a lot right now is human growth hormone. Human growth hormone injections have saved the lives of a few friends of mine who are very, very ill and were like about to check out. That's something you want to do all the time once you're healthy, but it can kickstart you and bring you back from a very very dangerous place of lack of energy and, and just complete fatigue. Well, supposing we're diagnosed with an, a serious hormone imbalance, is there an alternate option rather than taking, say, some kind of a steroid or some kind of chemical uh, concoction that a doctor might prescribe? Well, we always want to go natural first. That, that's, I think, Len, you know that about me. That's my approach. Of course, first we go natural. We don't want to get into bioidentical hormones before, unless it's needed. And bioidentical hormones do work, and they do fight cancer, and they actually are good. Um, we are very familiar with a very popular bioidentical hormone, which is insulin. All this insulin that people are injecting is actually a bioidentical hormone. Now, once you get on it, you're on it. That's the thing. So, you know, we want to go natural first, so we can avoid that if we have to. But if we can't, you know, then we've got to take the appropriate steps. So let's talk about, like, what it takes to actually reset the hormones and build them up naturally. One aspect of it is we've got to get rid of the bad estrogen and lower those levels down. And this is bringing forth a, a really amazing product that I'm a big fan of, Land, and I'm not sure how far you've gotten into this product, but I love it. It's, it's the EstroBlock, which is the um, Indole 3 Carbonyl. Sure. That's my pick, actually, of supplement of the year is indole-3-carbonyl. And it, it helps your body to break down the bad estrogen and drive it off. And it can do that in a period of, if you do, say, three to five capsules of EstroBlock per day, according to the naturopath that I've been working with, it is telling me that it flips the estrogen around within, within 30 days. So it can knock out a huge chunk of the bad estrogen and drive it off, which, which is a fighting chance. That's where now we've got 
a chance because we still have to build the progesterone and testosterone. But nevertheless, we're not carrying such a burden of bad estrogen in our system. That's one step. And there's a lot of steps. Should we get into them all in? What do you think? I think for the people who uh, made the commitment to purchasing this DVD program, I think we don't have any choice. But before you get into that, I want to talk about the EstroBlock. Is there a downside? Like, what if I, I don't want to get my hormones checked because I think I'm in pretty good health or I'm young and, you know, I still have a lot of vitality. I recuperate quickly when I exercise, don't get a lot of panic attacks, not gaining weight. Is is that still a beneficial thing for people to take at all ages and at all stages? Yeah, I, that's been my experience. I think it's actually great for people at all at all levels of health. And why? Because we've all been exposed to huge amounts of bad estrogen. For example, we've heard it before. Maybe we maybe we've heard it. Maybe we haven't. Actually, it depends on how young we are. But DDT has affected every single mammal on Earth. Every single mammal on Earth is contaminated with DDT. DDT is a bad estrogen. It, it, it can be driven out by indole-free carbonyl, or at least lowered. And therefore, it's probably a good idea that we take stuff like this. What is indole-free carbonyl? It's actually a broccoli concentrate. It's concentrated out of broccoli. So you get all the magic of broccoli without the glycogens for anybody who's concerned about that. And, and therefore, it fits in a very nice niche. And this is something that's been heavily researched and heavily used over the last 15 years. And it, it just does the trick. Do you have to take it every day for the rest of your life? No, not at all. You take it for a while until it does its job. And then you can you can just let it sit, and you kind of know when that is, but definitely at minimum thirty days. And for women as well. For men and women, absolutely. More importantly, for women, women are more sensitive to these hormone problems because their hormone system is a slightly bit more sophisticated than a man's hormone system. Plus, you know, there's a more severe menopause than what occurs in men, which is an andropause. And generally, women are more hip and more in tune because of that, because of the hormone equation. They, they've got to stay a little bit more on top of their health and a little bit, bit more in understanding about how these hormones are affecting them, how bad estrogen affects them, and then beyond that, how to clean up, you know, all that once, once you're ready to clean it all up. All right, let's kick into some of the program then. Let's talk in, let's talk about like a full throttle approach to help rebalancing a, a person's hormones. What would you recommend as a second step? After the estro block. Okay, well, there, there, there is a big problem with methylation in our civilization. So what, what does that mean? Methylation is a, it's a, it's a pathway of detoxification. And many different natural foods and almost every fresh food contains a methyl group. And that's carbon and hydrogen, basically, together. I think it's actually CH3, carbon and three hydrogens attached. And that methyl group is a donor, and, and that's what we see in methyl sulfonyl methane, like MSM. It's one of the reasons why MSM is so valuable, because it helps your liver to detoxify. One of my favorite detoxifiers using methyl groups is trimethylglycine. Well, why, do we, why are we on the methyl groups, and what does that have to do with hormones? Methyl groups are apparently missing in all bad hormones. So the way I've been, under, been able to understand it is basically a whole lot is sprayed with chemicals. You know, we're eating it. It's all over. It's in the atmosphere. It's all over our place. Our body uses methyl groups to neutralize those toxins. After a while, we, we, we start developing a methylation disorder or a problem. This affects anywhere from 10 to 49% of the country in the U.S., according to whatever you believe. I mean, some people say it's 10%. Some people say it's almost 50%. 
of the population has a methylation problem. I think it's kind of high. I think it's up to like around 49%. I think that's accurate. And we are not able to detoxify properly. And as a result of that, we're not able to hold the good hormones in place, which require methyl groups. And the good estrogen, like estradiol, for example, or estriol, can become an estrone. It actually will flip into a bad estrogen. And that bad estrogen, estrogen by definition, is a hormone that's missing a methyl group. So bad estrogen equals missing methyl groups. That's a big story right there. That's a big discovery. I don't know if anybody's really put that together. I had to put that together through cross-referencing a, a huge amount of information in this hormone field. But I do know that the methylators like MSM, like trimethylglycine or betaine, like vitamin B6, like vitamin B9, like glutathione, like methylcobalamin or B12, have profound effects on removing bad estrogen. And, and that's been known for quite some time. A really good one, by the way, a really great remover of bad estrogen, um, and we're going to get into this as we get a little bit further down, is melatonin. That melatonin is the reason why people get to sleep. It may not be that melatonin replaces the lost sleep hormone, but may in fact be that melatonin helps your body knock out bad estrogen. That may be at least part of the story or all the story. We're not, not really sure. Is melatonin an actual hormone, isn't it? Melatonin is a hormone, and that's also another bioidentical hormone that people are taking, and a lot of people take it to go to sleep. And the traditional story about that, Len, is that you take it because it replaces your sleep hormones. You take it an hour before bed, and then boom, you're kind of out in an hour, and that's normally how it's used. However, there's a deeper story to, to melatonin and, in fact, to serotonin and all the tryptamines, which are derivatives of tryptophan. And that is they have an effect on bad estrogen, and they help to knock out bad estrogen out of your system, and that may be a fundamental pathway in which they work. Indole-3-carbinol is very, very similar in its structure to many of the tryptamines like melatonin. Let me ask you something, Dave. I know there's a, a lot of concern sometimes um, if you go on some of these programs indefinitely, and would you suggest that if someone's going to start taking maybe even something benign like MSM on a regular basis, is it a good practice to maybe take a week off a month? Like if you're going to go for a full month, take that next week off like the fifth week and not take anything? Or is there some things you should always take no matter what? Like for instance, MSM or um, like even just goji berries. Is it best to have these things cycled because they're so powerful? Or are there some substances a little bit more amenable to our body than others? General herbal wisdom is always behind the idea of cycling through everything. That's that's just a general idea of herbal knowledge, and it's also a very important food idea. If we eat too much of one thing, we can actually develop an allergy to it and a response to it. So we always want to change it up. And, yes, I think taking a week off here or there when you're taking MSM or anything else is a really good idea. However, when we're dealing with hormone-related nutrients, foods, hormone builders, or bad estrogen removers, or anything like that, there's a whole other thing that comes to light, and that is it's more important than ever to cycle these things on and off. If we get into the habit of at exactly noon, I do my indulgent cardinal. At exactly 3, I take my MSM and try nothing glycine. At exactly 6 p.m., I take my maca and 
Tomcat Ali and cacaos and passion flower tea smoothie, right? Then what happens is, is we, we'll get an effect for a while, but then it will actually diminish because there's somewhat of a resistance that's created by some of these hormone metabolites. And so let's say you're able to produce the progesterone. Well, it may not get in because you've been doing things so rhythmically that it's created a little bit of a res- resistance by the, by the receptor site. And so we always have to be very much arrhythmic, arrhythmic when we're dealing with building up hormones or restoring our gene. Do something for a while, stop it. Do it for two days, stop it. Get on it for three weeks straight, stop it. Get on it for a month, stop it. Be off it for three months, that kind of a thing. But we're always mixing up everything um, in, in a haphazard way that falls into this category of a bad estrogen removal system and hormone building system. So we're always heading towards the same goal, but just using a variety of different tools in our arsenal, kind of like chaos gardening. You, you know you want to create the best garden, but sometimes just throwing seeds out there is a little bit more fun and, and better than just trying to create everything in a straight line and say, I only want to grow broccoli here no matter what. And then just saying this is what, you know, breaking the garden up that way rather than kind of letting the garden kind of dictate its own growth in life, depending on the terrain. That's what I always think of, and I always think of that exact analogy, because I am more of a chaos gardener. I like to just, you know, let the plants go wild, and if they can't make it, then they don't make it. You know, I want the stuff that's strong that makes it. That isn't the exact best gardening ethic, because you could could waste time. There's a lot of experimentation to it. It's been figured out how to properly garden in my neighborhood. You know, I had a guy over here the other day, he knows exactly what to do, and you know, probably I should I do exactly what he says. But when we're dealing with hormones, if we get too rigid about it, it's not going to work. We actually have to kind of break it up in that arrhythmic cycle, which is nice, and it allows for that little bit of that chaos energy to come in. And now there's a whole there's a whole bunch of stuff I could say further, Len, about indole three carbonyl. But I, I do want to mention just some normal foods that have very good ability to remove that estrogen, and one of them is citrus peel. Now, we should never, ever eat the, the peel of an orange or a grapefruit. It's toxic. In Chinese medicine, they use it, but you have to age it. It has to be actually properly prepared. You can, however, have the, the peel of a lemon or a lime. And I recommend that when you do juice your lemons or your limes, actually every now and then throw the whole thing in there with everything, the seed, the peel, the whole darn thing with lemon and lime. And that has an affinity for bad estrogen. Citrus essential oil is essentially the same stuff in the peel has that affinity for bad estrogen. Iodine is known to be a very powerful deactivator of bad estrogen. And there's a lot of research on iodine that was hushed up from the 1920s and 30s. Dr. Patrick Flanagan really was the guy who turned me on to it. I'd heard about it even when I was a kid. You know, I think for my parents in, in the medical field, they always knew the power of iodine. It was still in the medical training that they got that obviously has been driven out since then, since the 50s and 60s in the vice by the pharmaceutical industry. But iodine it is essentially able to shut down polycystic breast disease and other bad estrogen types of conditions. So something to look at. We really support, Len, you and I, we were in the nascent iodine. We are turned on to it by Truth Calkins. It's one drop. You know, you do one, two, three drops. That's all you need. It's very easy to do. It's simple. Um, another thing that is really good is fiber. 
And the more fiber you can run through your system, in particular, the one that's been studied is de-fatted flax, which is like a lignin-rich fiber. And you can get that. You can actually purchase that. And, and you would eat that in the way you take Metamucil in the old days or psyllium husk. And that drawing power of that de-fatted flax that moves through your system sucks out the bad estrogen. It actually actually put brought through your intestines and in out. A food that's, that's very heavily studied in, in its relationship to bad estrogen, and it's a high silica food, um, it's not always a raw food, but it's very powerful. And a wild food, when I've seen this food grown all around the back canyons right by your house, and it's oats. All those, all those dead grasses you see all through the Southern California ecosystem, it's all invasive species of oats from Europe. And wild oats, we've all heard about sowing your wild oats. Oats are extraordinary food for longevity. They have an affinity for bad estrogen. They draw it out, and they're high in silica, so they're good for your bones. And I, I just had, I've said this many times over the years, but I just felt like oats really are something that we should really look at as our cereal, if we like cereal in the morning, if that's something that we're into. And then another category, and of course I hinted at it, is the cruciferous vegetables, of which broccoli is a source of indole-free carbonyl. Uh, cabbage can also be a source of indole-free carbonyl. Um, indole-free carbonyl is metabolized into DIM or DIM, um, diindole, methionine, or something like that. Anyway, that particular um, compound, indole-free carbonyl, and its metabolite DIM, are naturally in cruciferous vegetables like cabbage, like broccoli, like mustard like radishes, and if you don't have a glycogen problem with those vegetables, then by all means, do juices with them. And it's possible, I've been asking doctors and doctors on this, no one's giving me a straight answer, but my feeling is, is that when you juice cruciferous vegetables, you destroy the glycogen, because the glycogen in cruciferous vegetables are very volatile, and they're, they're probably very easily destroyed by juicing. They're definitely destroyed by heating. Um, and then berries, that whole cow, that whole group of berries, every kind of berry, Blueberries, goji berry, huckleberries, um, blackberries. I love the wild Russian blackberries that grow in Northern California. What an amazing superfood that is. And then they contain apparently calcium D-glucarate or CDG. You may be hearing more about calcium D-glucarate because it's another antagonist of bad estrogen like indole-3-carbonyl. Not as powerful, but still there. And it's usually derived out of berries or apples. It's also found in cruciferous vegetables. So that's a pretty good little rundown of things that we can start adding in on a regular basis to help draw out the bad estrogen. One one food you mentioned, Dave, which are oats. Obviously, you go into a supermarket, you're going to see a thousand different kinds, Quaker oats, raw oats, regular oats, whole oats, you know, steel-cut oats. I know Peter Wagner has a, a recipe where he takes oat, uh, the, the actual full oat that hasn't been cut or squashed or pummeled into, you know, a, a flattened, uh, you know, thing that we're used to seeing in our, in our, you know, instant oatmeal. He'll take that and he'll soak it in a thermos overnight with warm water and goji berry. And apparently he claims it's the most delicious food on the planet. I haven't really been able to nail the recipe quite as good as he claims it is, but I do know they feel amazing in my system, like they're really heavy and really potent um, superfoods. They feel like superfoods, actually. Like, can you just get regular organic oats in the health food store, and is that as good as the whole oat, or does even like a Quaker oat suffice? 
Great question. I, I'm actually not the person to answer it because I never buy oats in a store. I only eat wild oats. So I, I'm, I'm kind of a you know a fanatic about wild food. Yeah, when I'm in Southern California, for example, when I'm trying to think of when I was out there, it might have been I think it was in the summer. It was actually last summer, and I was out hiking and I just was eating wild oats left and right and center. I'm at eight hundred. I just got tuned into that at a very young age when I first got into raw foods when I was about 23 and got into it, and I've done it ever since. I've never bought oats in a store. I've never bought them in bulk. Um, I have grown them because I did have a, a whole bag of oats that was left over by a friend of mine who was staying at my house, and I ended up just throwing them in the garden. So I have grown them and just kind of checked them out, eaten the, also the, the blade, you know, chewed on that, like you can chew on that, like wheatgrass. But oat is is better, in my opinion, than wheat or spelt or even barley because it's high silica, and that means good for bones. And I've, I've been waiting for years for somebody to do like a, an oat grass product. Um, we definitely see oat straw, which is high silica, great for tea. You see oat meal products, of, you know, which you just named a few. But oat grass is also really darn powerful. As a, as a powdered grass, just like you do wheatgrass powder or barley grass powder or barley grain. Well, since probably many people on the call have never seen a live raw oat, I've, I've actually never seen a live raw oat myself. What is something we can strive for, like the closest proximity to that type of uh, oat? Would it, like, is it green or is it brown? It's um, the wild oat is. It's kind of interesting. It's actually more brown or tannish. It has a, a, a like a bran around it that's a little bit, it's a little, you can cripple yourself a little bit, it has one pointy edge to it. And the way that we normally see them in the stores, like the Quaker Oats that y'all grew up with, they've been rolled over by rollers, like stainless steel rollers that have flattened them. So they normally aren't flat like that. They're, they're more, I would say, almost amphora-shaped. They're long, cylindrical with pointy ends. That's what that's what a wild oat looks like. So, so I hope that answers your question. But just to jump back to what we're getting at here is we're looking at foods and strategies and lifestyle that can actually remove the bad estrogen, build up the good hormones. And we've gone through two so far. You know, we're just at the beginning of this. We've gone through the bad um, estrogen in relationship with methylation and that the bad estrogen is missing methyl groups. So we have to bring in methyl groups. And beets and goji berries, by the way, are excellent sources of methyl groups. Um, beet and goji berries are the best in the whole natural foods world. And that's where we get it from food. All raw foods contain some methyl groups. But then we, if we want to get it supplementally, I really like trimethylglycine and MSM. In particular, trimethylglycine, because it tastes good. It, it, there's, no, there's no resistance. You can just add it to everything. Um, then, so we've got the methylators. Now we've also talked a little bit about the foods that remove the bad estrogen. But then we've got to keep going. We've got to get into now um, what aromatase is and natural aromatase inhibitors and what the heck is that all about. And and that's where we're going to get into a little of a discussion, a little bit of a discussion on, on two flowers that are very, very prominent in herbalism and people drink these teas all day long, chamomile and passion flower. Should we get into those? Absolutely. I mean... Yeah, it, it, most definitely. Okay, so there's a there's another thing that's going on hormonally as we age, and that is our good hormones like progesterone get converted into bad estrogen, and there's a reason for that we've, that we've already discussed. We're it's missing a methyl group. We don't have enough methyl groups. We're totally toxic because we you know we've been 
it had all the stuff sprayed on us and we're eating all the toxic stuff all the life. What we need to do then is we need to add enough of this. You've already seen that. But there's another thing that we've got to do, and that is we've got to stop the action of a particular enzyme that's usually present in fat cells. And this is why it's very important to make sure you do not gain excessive weight. That, that enzyme is called aromatase. And aromatase will aromatize progesterone and turn it into bad estrogen. It will aromatize testosterone and turn it into bad estrogen. It will aromatize DHEA and turn it into bad estrogen. And so we have to have natural aromatase inhibitors that stop that from occurring. And the top two are passion flower and chamomile. We've heard a lot about resveratrol from grapes and grape skins, and we've heard about it from Japanese knotweed, polygonum, uh, custodatum. Resveratrol is also an aromatase inhibitor. We've heard a lot about olive oil, how important that is for longevity and, and olive leaf. Well, it turns out that olive oil, olives, and olive leaf all contain oleoropene, which is actually an aromatase inhibitor, which really strongly now is convincing me and kind of showing me the method of action in which the longevity is achieved that, that is in olive oil. It has to do with oleoropene. And that particular compound is also found in leaves. It's found in olives as well. Um, has a, has a particular ability to help you hold your hormones in longer. And then there's a quercetin, which we, you may have heard about quercetin. It's in onions. It's in all different kinds of raw foods. And that's another one that's a natural aromatase inhibitor. So we've got to try to get these things coming in as, you know, an irregular part of our diet. I do passion flour for a while, then I stop. Then I do chamomile for a while, then I stop. I like passion flour tincture because over the years I've learned that the passion flour powder tastes horrible. It's awful. Um, it's great if you can do it, uh, you know, maybe I can encapsulate it or something, but I, I've never been able to stay with it. So I've always done the tincture and it works, and I, I, I feel it, and it's amazing. And chamomile tea is delicious, amazing. I love chamomile tea, so we're, we're on with that. Chamomile in the traditional Aztec shamanic system of herbalism is actually the number one ranked herb. That blew my mind when I found that out. Your passion flower, it's number one in Aztec traditional herbalism. You know, and there's a lot of Aztecs still living in Mexico City, at least at least three and a half million, of which I've actually studied with a couple of Aztec herbalists. And and that was always a surprise. I was like, chamomile? I thought you'd take that to calm down at night. That's as far as it goes. But there's a whole different story there, a deeper story, in that it's an, it's an aromatase inhibitor. It helps you hold on to your manhood or womanhood longer, which makes sense because it's a flower. You know, there's one thing I want to mention, everybody, on this call, that you may be a little overwhelmed hearing all these different words and things you've never heard of before, and it may seem very complicated. In actuality, Dave has really done the research to put the basic building blocks of great health together for us because what's really complicated are the number of toxins and just the junk that's in our food and our atmosphere and our air and our water. Everywhere we go, we're touching toxicity. And that's what's really complicated. This program, yes, there are a lot of different names of things you may have heard of, substances that we have to ingest that we've never even seen before, but it does definitely work against the immense complexity that has become our modern world. And so I recommend a lot of people like talking about the problem and getting really frustrated with the problem when they hear about all the different things that are, are injected into our atmosphere on a daily basis from chemical plants on, you know, down to even what goes on our wall as, as house paint or, 
or in our walls as electromagnetic radiation, I think it's worth spending more time on the solution, which is what Dave has done and laid this out. And if it takes a little bit of time to understand this stuff, to try one thing at a time, building up our, our reservoir of health protocols, it is completely worth it because things aren't going to get better in our environments until they get a lot worse in my, in my estimation, because there's a lot of turnaround that still needs to happen. And it's like turning around a huge ocean liner, Sometimes it takes miles before it can even stop in order to turn around. And so our train has already left that station, and we're headed there pretty quickly. So we need as many of these things on our, in our cabinets and in our, you know, in our homes as possible so we just know how to deal with the situations as they arise. So I just wanted to give a little public acknowledgement for you, Dave, and some of the research that you've really engaged in with all these doctors and the hundreds and thousands of books that you've read to really – bring it down to the basic essentials and rediscovering a lot of things that people haven't heard before. For instance, you mentioned, you know, the, the peel off citrus fruits. That is something that's been around for thousands of years and it's only recently been reintroduced into our culture as an anti-cancer agent. It just does innumerable things, but until we've rediscovered it, no one had ever heard of it before. So Dave is out there right now all the time actually traveling the world looking for these solutions. Thanks for that, Red. That, that's, that's really what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with a menu. It's a menu at a restaurant. And hopefully one day we'll have our own restaurant out there, Red, and it'll be like an elixir bar, grounded restaurant. A lot of fun where, you know, you can get your, you know, bad estrogen destroyer smoothie and, and all these other things. But in the meantime, you've got to turn your kitchen into that, that uh, pharmaceutical cabinet that's all natural. You know, the thing that, that the great herbalists always had, which is all, you know, all these great herbs and cupboards and all this kind of stuff. Um, but the main thing about this, they were able to do it. They were actually able to use it. So you start getting this stuff and you start playing around with it. You use it and you go for it. Now we're going to get into another piece of this whole, you know, bad hormone problem is we got to actually now build up the androgens like DHEA, like the progesterones, like testosterone. And there's a number of ways we can do that. And the top, choice is going to be deer antlers. That's the number one thing. And uh, this, this is, you know, this is where I've ended up with my diet, actually, over the years, is I just, I don't have a stomach to actually eat fish. I can't eat chicken. I don't, I don't I can stomach it. Couldn't eat um, meat. Um, couldn't eat, do dairy. Don't do dairy products. Doesn't agree with me. But I do understand from the animal kingdom that there are energies and, and nutrients that are required, and we've all learned that, whether it was in the simple understanding of vitamin B12, or now we're starting to find out about vitamin K2 and MK8, which is a particular type of vitamin K2. There's now at least four different types of vitamin K2s, by the way, and this helps to remineralize your bone. But we still want it, in some cases, we want to maintain our ethical concerns about the environment, about animals, and that kind of a thing. So I've been trying to guide, you know, where is, this, where is the hole here? You know, where, where are we going to slip in between the cracks? And this is where I've come to with it is there are many animal products that you can eat, like honey, that don't involve killing. And if that's your ethic, great. You know, then we, now we've found something really amazing. We need things out of the plant kingdom. We know that that's obvious, and a plant-based diet is wonderful, and that should be a pro predominant part of our lifestyle, and that will allow us to live long. A 100% plant-food diet, like a vegan diet, really needs to be supplemented in order to be balanced and correct. And, and that requires a lot of sophisticated knowledge. When you start bringing in things like bee pollen, honey, crushed up pearl, for example, um, deer antler, 
things that are in that zone where it doesn't require killing, but you can gain a lot of benefit from it, then, then I think you're in a zone of where the whole vegetarian versus carnivore conversation is headed. It, that's where it's headed. That's where we're going. The deer antler is the antler of the deer when it's in its young budding state, they regrow them every year. That was such a discovery to find out that actually every year, when the, the antlers grow and then they fall off in the winter and the squirrels eat them. That's why you never find them. You, if you're lucky, you can't find them in the, in the forest, but generally the squirrels will get to them. So, supposed vegetarian squirrels eat deer antler, by the way. And um, so the deer antler, it contains the precursors, the, the growth factors, the protein complexes with oils that can be formed into hormones and androgens right away. And I have to say that if you start putting all of this stuff together and then throw the deer antler in on, on that, especially sublingual, I like the Jane Herbs deer antler. I like what Daniel Vitalis is doing with Sir Thrival's elk antler. That's a great product. Then you can, you can glean some of that stem cell, yang, jing, hormonal energy that's mammalian, it's already familiar to your body's metabolism, and then start seeing results right away. And that's, again, going to be accelerated when you do the other pieces. For example, if you're going to do passion flower and deer antler. In fact, putting those two together is something I've been looking to do as a product, get those two together, because that's one, boom, stops the, the, the block, it blocks the progesterone, for example, from being converted over to bad estrogen, and the deer antler builds the progesterone. So we got both covered in one combination. Now, there's other softer stuff out there. Maca is well-known for being an androgen builder, but it's softer. It's not as aggressive. It is a yang-jing type of substance, a little bit less aggressive. Makuna is another yang-jing substance that I've been actually ingesting raw makuna here at my house. I've got it in my hand, actually, right now. You can hear it shake around. Listen. It shakes like a rattle when it's in a bean pod. And we've been crushing it up, and then we've been extracting it um, into our smoothies and that kind of a thing. And we've been getting the full Makuna blast. Wow, this stuff's potent. And you can feel that core jing building up because it's like an aphrodisiac energy that you even have to convert up. That's how you know your hormones are being built up, by the way. People ask me that all the time. How do I know that it's working? And here's how you know. You start feeling like like sexual urges, like impulse, and you're like, whoa, this is like when I was 16 or 18 years old. Now, as you get older, obviously, you can control that, and then you drive that up to, to create more energy. And this, in fact, is what restores adrenal exhaustion. This is what restores exhaustion, period. If we let go of that sexual energy, for example, you know, we, we, if you're a man and you just let, you have what we call leakage, and I'm going to let you figure out what that means, you're going to lose energy. You have to be careful that you don't let that all go, especially if you get older. You're 40, 50, 60. You can't just be leaking your jing all over the place. And for women, you lose jing when you menstruate too much. Too much blood loss is actually can be a jing loss. And, and we have to be a little bit careful about the excessive menstruation, which is, occurs due to levels of either emotional toxicity or physical toxicity or both. Can, can actually increase the flow. And many women who've gotten their flow sorted out and gotten very healthy have found that that's true. That if it's a rough emotional time, the flow will be heavier. Also, if it's, you know, they get into eating things they don't normally eat, that can cause a little bit of trouble that time of the month. And that's a jing leakage. So we want to plug the leak. Let's keep going. 
saturated fats, like what's in olive oil, um, what's in cacao, what's in coconut products, are excellent builders of hormones. In fact, coconut is pretty much the best saturated fat building material for hormones that exists. There are many different coconut products for building hormones. I really like the cacao or the cocoa butters. And not the oil, but coconut butter, the kind that's creamed. It's like a cream cheese. That's an excellent hormone building material. If you're, if that's not working for you, but you still like it, you know, what coconut can do for you, then you go to something like pregnenolone, pregnenolone, like pregnancy, pregnenolone, which is an extract of coconut butter. And it's been extracted a few steps for you, and sometimes there's a conversion problem, and that can be converted right over to DHEA and progesterone and testosterone. I like for men, Tonka Ali, and on the Longevity Warehouse, when I very strongly recommended that you guys put this up there, and you guys have, which is the Tomcat product, um, Tonka Ali from, from Dragon Herbs, that is one heck of a product. What a gin rebuilder that is, what a hormone builder. I've read in the literature that it can increase your testosterone by a factor of three or four, which is crazy. I mean, that's like getting you from like a 200 up to like an 800. And again, we, you know, this isn't something that you want to just overdose on. You definitely go by the recommendation on the bottle and, you know, cycle it in and out so you're not taking it every single day for five years. Right. This in particular, in particular, Tonka Ali is very, very much amenable to be t- being taken arrhythmically. Um, probably more than anything else, you can you should never take Tonka Ali every day. That's you take it sporadically two times a week, and then three times a week, and then not for a couple weeks, and then five to days in a row, and then stop for a month. That kind of a thing. I think I asked this question earlier too, and I don't want to get too off topic, but. Is there anything you could or should take every day other than water and basic food? But is there anything that you should take every single day? Uh, not not that I can think of. Well, actually, if I have it, I will take something like mega hydrate every day because that's not really an herbal substance. It's actually right. just a pure hydrogen supplement. And it, things like that, yes, you can, because they're like water. I mean, basically, mega hydrate is a hydrogen supplement, which essentially it's a wa- hydration supplement. It's a water supplement, but it's dry powder, which is weird, but that's what it does. And I would take that every day. I take the quintone sea plasma every day. That's true. I do that every day as that's well. That's more like a water. That's like a water and salt. MSM? MSM, no, because it's, it's, its method of action is... It's too metabolic. And so MSM is something that I, I rhythmically do. I'll go through a bottle here. There. In the old days, I used to do it straight for months and on end, but not really recently. I, I, I love MSM. I think it's amazing, but I think my body's just kind of calling for other things now. And the only reason I bring that up is that, you know, whatever goes in your body gets filtered through your organs. And if you're always pushing these high dosages through your organs, and I'm not saying at different times it's not very appropriate to do that if you're in a healing crisis or just for general good health cycling stuff is fantastic but you have to remember your organs are running your body and your liver your kidneys these are the areas of your body that have to filter all these out so you want to make sure that you're just being careful that's all I have to really say about that yeah and I like what Warren Buffett says about investing in that if he doesn't invest in anything he doesn't understand 
when you're going to be taking these things like Tomcat Ali or the deer antler, do the research, look at it, check it out. Um, another very good hormone building material is bee and pine pollen. Bee pollen and pine pollen is amazing. Another thing to look into, check out, do the research on bee pollen. There was a book written years ago. I mention this every now and then. Len. I don't. I don't know if you remember this this particular book, but this is a book written by a guy who claimed he was going to live to be three thousand years on bee pollen. It was it was a great book. He had some hilarious stuff in there, but he also had some great science in there. You know, he had analytical charts of what's in bee pollen and, and all the amazing nutrients and you know, exactly what it can do for you and the, the hormone precursors. Everything was in there. It was a great book. I think bee pollen, because I'm only now experimenting with pine pollen, fantastic, and it complements bee pollen very well. Like, the, the flavors actually go in very nicely together. Like, it tastes good. And there's a lot you can do, even mixing a little colostrum. There's a lot of different things you can do with that, with the pine pollen that's very interesting flavor. For, and I think a lot of raw chefs out there are going to find a lot of good applications for that particular substance. Because it's interesting. It's got an interesting flavor, and you can't, other than the smell of pine wood, you can't really place it with any other substance. It's very, very unique in the realm of superfoods right now. So it's very exciting. Yes, I, I, I was actually a, a very good friend of mine, Len, called me the other day when I was in the garden, and she's a Chinese herbalist. And her story is totally outrageous. And if you listen to my stuff over the years, anybody listening right now, you probably heard me talk about her before. And we were talking about immortality formulas, like, you know, what's her angle on particular immortality formulas herbally. And one of the things that comes up for her a lot is pine pollen. That's something that she really feels like, according to the research she's done. And by the way, her research, she's read the traditional text that nobody reads that is in Chinese because she's from China and, and has gone back and dug that stuff out and then just kind of feeds that to me, like, hey, check this out. Let's check out what I found out here. Let's check this out. And she knows formulas that actually, like, do actually knock out the condition in, like, three bottles. You know, you get three bottles of this course of particular herbs, and it knocks out the condition, whatever it is, high blood pressure, whatever. I mean, that's how good of an herbalist she is, where it has, like, a pharmaceutical action, no side effects, no long-term usage. You know, she, she just knows herbalism like that. And what came up the other day, pine pollen for, for immortality. Very interesting, because uh, in my conversation with Danny Vitalis, he said it's been around for thousands and thousands of years. Again, a lot of this stuff has been known and been used by generations before us, and we just, you know, we just forgot about it. We just don't get access to it, because the information doesn't really fit in a Reader's Digest version of health that we can just kind of absorb in one sitting. It takes some understanding. And we're very lucky, too, that we're the first culture really in the history of the world that has access to almost everything that other cultures have been using for thousands of years. So, that, I mean, we haven't really even discovered, I would say, even a fifth of what's available as, I've, you know, we've been doing our travels around the world, discovering new things every month. It's actually incredible, but in o older cultures, even if you were a king, you'd be lucky if you could get one or two of the things that we sell in the longevity warehouse, whereas we have access to all of them. That's a real interesting phenomenon. If you study kings or if you study the history of what, how kings lived and what they had access to, you know, what made them a king is they had access to the best. And at the time, it was maybe eating an apple a day or a pomegranate, maybe, if they were lucky if they could get it in season. But we have this stuff all the time, whenever we want it, 
all we need is a little bit of extra money and we can get it delivered to our house in, in a week. That is incredible. And it's unprecedented. There, there's, been, there's been an yeah, there, you're absolutely right, Len. And there's been an interesting development this week, and some people have been tuning into this, that now Whole Foods and some of these large retailers and, and large distributors of organic dairy products like Stonyfield Farms have all now decided that they're going to partner with Monsanto. Have you heard about this? Well, obviously, we know the story behind the Sun Food debacle, what's been going on there. Um, I'm not surprised. I mean, Monsanto is a, a gazillion dollar organization that has the power to infiltrate almost anything. So I'm not surprised. They basically they infiltrated me and literally took the whole Sun Food business and now control it for 100%. Um, that's, that's pretty, um, that's pretty crazy that they were able to pull that off. And they did it through, you know, a very large group of deceptive acts over a very long period of time. But nevertheless, I want to say this is that what's going to happen is online, availability of these things is going to be where the future is. Because I, I, I literally, I don't even think I can shop at Whole Foods anymore. I mean, after they, I mean, to get anything. Because now they're in with, like, Monsanto. It's like, geez, I, I want to do that. It'd be like shopping at Sun Food. Forget that. Um, so, what, you know, what are we going to do? Well, it's, gonna, it's all going to go online. Because that's going to be the only places where we can really trust. Because the big businesses like Whole Foods are so controlled by banks. And banks are so controlled by the, the system that's running our world. They automatically become susceptible to being overrun by Monsanto. Just explain to our listeners who maybe not have heard this story exactly what happened this week. Well, it, it was Stonyfield Farms, Whole Foods, and another giant distributor of, of organic food. What specifically has happened this week is that Whole Foods... Stonyfield Farms and another one of those types of companies is going to take a payoff for Monsanto, and they're going to allow genetically engineered alfalfa to work its way into the food chain, to work its way into those stores, to work its way into the dairy products, because genetically engineered alfalfa is, is coming, and that's the next thing that Monsanto really wants to put through in the U.S. And when we have genetically engineered alfalfa, it's going to get into the genome of all alfalfa all over the world. It's going to contaminate all alfalfa. It's it's happening already on small experimental farms that Monsanto is running, and now it's it's now going to contaminate everything. And Whole Foods is basically saying, okay, we'll let it happen, but we want to pay off. And so they're going to take a payoff. Stonyfield Farms is going to take a payoff, and it's just it just it's just ugly. It's it's really the worst ever. And that's why we've got to continue to come back to the small operations like what we're doing with Longevity Warehouse where it's, we don't have any banks involved. There's no you know, mass financing involved because as soon as you get the banks involved, when you get that big in business, you're basically being run by the system because the system is run by banks. You know, that's why you don't own your property and neither does the government. You pay a mortgage to a bank that really owns your property. You, know, you don't own your car, neither does the government. You actually pay a, a payment to a bank for your car you know, that kind of a thing. And by the way, electric companies are all turning into banks. The banks are taking over the electric companies because, you know, as the power control grid gets stronger, they're realizing that, hey, you know, you don't you don't like what we're doing? We'll shut your power off. That's what, that's another thing that's coming. I've just been recently gotten wind of that, that actually a lot of these power companies are actually being run by banks and are offering bank financing for people who get behind in their electric bill. 
So, you know, the, the control is going to get tighter, but then the freedom is going to get bigger. And, and we're always in that dynamic, you know, place in between offering the solution for the, for the problem that's being generated. And I think it keeps coming back down to just being an informed citizen, being educated, taking the power back in your own hands and understanding what options you have available to you at any moment, which is a lot, a lot more than have ever been available to anybody else. So, well, in closing, Dave, because I know we're going a bit over here and unfortunately we're not going to have time to take questions. Um, is there any closing remarks that you'd like to um, mention about adrenal health and hormones that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Okay, so a lot of times when we're adrenally exhausted, it's not just nutritional factors and stress factors at work. It's actually that we're very low in hormones, and we're very high in bad hormones. So we're low in good hormones like progesterone and testosterone, and we've got an excess amount of xenoestrogens, which are fake estrogens, and also metabolically non-methylated estrones that are floating around in our system. We basically have non-methylated estrogen. So looking at that side of it, because that's all we've got time to do in this particular call or conversation, we want to take another number of approaches. We want to first have an overall awareness of of what's happening. So we want to have that picture. You know, okay, we've got too much estrogen, not enough progesterone, testosterone, DHEA, so now we've got to create balance. So part of that balance is we've got to sweep the bad estrogen out, and that's what we're talking about with methylation. And that's what we're talking about with some of the foods that help to move the bad estrogen out. We talked about oats. We talked about citrus peel. We talked about lignin-rich foods like defatted flax. We talked about indole-3-carbinol, that kind of stuff. Boom. Then we also want to get onto holding all those good hormones in through another method, which is stopping the action of a particular problematic enzyme. Not all enzymes are good. Some are bad. And this is a problematic enzyme. And it's a, it's a, that enzyme is called aromatase, and it aromatizes the good, healthy hormone like progesterone and turns it into bad estrogen. The technique we have for that is we've got to have passion flower in our diet somewhere. Chamomile is very nice. Resveratrol is excellent. Oleorupine, which is found in all olive products, is also an excellent thing there. And to some degree, quercetin, which is found in many different natural foods, and that helps to break to stop the aromatization of the good healthy hormone and then of course Len, we've got to have the builders how do we build everything up now we've got to get the progesterone built up and the testosterone and there was a few things we touched on deer antler maca saturated fat bee and pine pollen were mentioned tongcat ali there's a lot more that's just a quick rundown I even mentioned macuna and coconut products there's a lot more than that but that's a great starting point and just to reiterate on the on these things, all of it is arrhythmic. All of it is sporadic, and we change it up every day, or we do it the same every day for a week, and then boom, we never do it the same like that ever again. In order to loosen up the receptor site, and what my friend Dr. Yu said a number of months ago to me, and, and I took that on as my own phrase, is we've got 10 seats and we've got 15 players. And if we've got a bunch of bad estrogen in those seats, we're going to have to do musical chairs and get the, the music going and, and open up the receptor site. And in order to do that, we've got to approach our hormone building program arrhythmically, kind of irregularly. 
Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Dave, for this amazing interview. You're off tomorrow to Australia to start kick off your Australian tour. So I wish you a lot of success and luck with that, sharing this wisdom and great information with the rest of the world. We can't have you all to ourselves, unfortunately, but I think you're going to be um, inundated with a lot of great energy over there. It seems like the excitement's really building. So I wish you luck and safe travels. Thanks, Len. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and thanks for being part of the teleseries. Enjoy the DVDs.